BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome, everyone. Sharp Lessons Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Find us on Twitter, Stadium Bets. Posting all our bets for now. It's just NFL and golf and some NBA as well. He's the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. A little bit of a bittersweet start of the week, Nate, because college football has come to an end. No more college football betting for us until the fall, sadly. But we end on a high note because our unders in the national championship game, that hit. And it was actually a very fun game towards the end. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I, had, I didn't have a problem with the game at the beginning. 22 points after three quarters when you have under 53 is a, yeah. a good defensive spot to battle. be in. And I got yeah, a little you, nervous you knew at it was going to be a defensive battle, and that's what happened. Yeah, I think uh, last week's show I compared this game to like a World Cup final or a big soccer cup final. And I, I know yeah. the, the crossover between soccer and college football might not overlap in terms of fans, but the idea was – conservative start teams not wanting to make mistakes we got the five field goals in the first half i thought there was a lot of kind of conservative decision making knowing that the would be a low scoring game and it's kind of like how nick saban handled the end of the first half by waiting to call a timeout because maybe to block a punt instead of potentially getting a three and out and getting a little bit more time left to maybe get some points on the board and extend their lead but I think the Jamison Williams injury is something that really needs to be talked about in terms of how the game played out. I don't know if Georgia actually wins the game if Alabama's down their top receiver because they were already down their number two receiver and John Mechie. And there was definitely some times where the Alabama could have used an experienced go-to receiver in the game. Georgia finally was able to string some drives together in the second half, and Stetson Bennett made just enough throws to get the win. Good for Georgia. Good for Kirby Smart, good for their fans, because with Bryce Young and Will Anderson coming back next year and a lot of those inexperienced guys on Bama's roster coming back and a lot of returning production, I feel like Alabama is going to be a heavy favorite to win the national title next season, especially with how much Georgia's losing on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're looking for a best bet that's going to take a year to cash, I may say Alabama to win the national championship for 20, what would it be, 2023 at that point. Yeah, I saw some varying prices where they were like plus 250 at some places when the opening odds came out. And then I saw the Westgate in Las Vegas, which is a pretty respected book that makes their own numbers, had Alabama at even odds to open up. Oh, so geez. it's Alabama. Ohio State's going to be good with C.J. Stroud, and hopefully they can fix their defense, or at least if you're an Ohio State fan, they can fix their defense with defensive coordinator Jim Knowles coming in, trying to figure out to get the most out of that talent. 
Georgia will still be in the mix, but after that, kind of a drop-off as Clemson isn't the same team as it was. Oklahoma figures to have a drop-off with Lincoln Riley at USC, Brent Venables in, and that transition there. I saw A&M and Notre Dame were kind of in the mix. Michigan, obviously off the big season and a brand name. They're going to put them up at the top, but very early on, Alabama, heavy favorite. It looks like they're going to be a juggernaut next year. So it's a good thing Georgia won on Monday night because I don't think – uh, they would have won next year, and who knows? This was definitely Kirby's best defense. He recruited very well. He's recruited very well, and it's finally came to fruition last night, even with a former walk-on quarterback in Stetson Bennett. Yeah, congrats. So, you know, got to tip your hat to Georgia and the Bulldogs, first one in 41 years. Uh, they did a great job. It was a good game. Defense came through in the red zone. Something that we knew they were good at throughout the season was that red zone defense. Their defense in general, but that red zone defense for sure has been phenomenal for the Bulldogs all season. And they showed up in the national championship game against the shorthanded Bama team. So we move on, Nate. We go into mid-January now. The NFL playoffs are going on. We're going to have some golf from you later on in the episode. And if you're interested in reading Nate's golf opinions, always go to watchstadium.com. But let's go through some of these NFL playoff matchups, and uh, we'll go. We'll take about three minutes, so it'll be a three-minute preview for each game, uh, it's just to kind of go through these games because we'll make our picks in the Friday episode that we put out. So we're not going to really be making any picks unless we feel very strongly about any of these. But I think I have a couple leans for some of these, and that first one that I do think I'm leaning towards is that Raiders at Bengals game, which we can talk about to start us off. The Bengals are at minus five forty-nine and a half is the total. Line has moved just a little bit. Six, plus six and a half was the Raiders went down to plus five and a half uh, on Tuesday morning. And I still, as long as it stays above five, I honestly am leaning towards the Raiders at this point. If it goes a bit lower, I might hit on the Bengals. But Nate, the, the Raiders really did impress me against the Chargers. And I think they come into this game with a lot of momentum. They believe in themselves. I think they know that they can beat a team with a younger quarterback like Joe Burrow. They just, it seems like it's slowly starting to click for them. Yeah, and there hasn't been much line movement this week from the openers on Sunday night when those came out. But one of the first kind of big moves, I guess, at least as significant was, was the Raiders getting bet through the secondary key number of plus six to five and a half. And at some places, plus five, five and a half. But it's off the six, six and a half where it originally opened. So, that's a little bit significant, I'd say, where the early money is definitely on the Raiders, or at least the respected early money is on the Raiders. And I guess with the opener, I think there was a little bit of an inflated number towards the Bengals, but it was really directed towards the spot for the Raiders. You play a Sunday night game. The Bengals basically had a bye last week where Joe Burrow was able to sit and they were able to rest. But the Raiders, not only a Sunday night game, but a Sunday night game where they were fighting for their playoff lives. We know about the craziness where they could have tied and a tie would have sent them to Kansas City, but winning sent them to Cincinnati. So I think that's why they were incentivized to win that game. But they really fought hard, gave up a lot of fourth down conversions, made it really hard on themselves. And now they play the early Saturday game in Cincinnati. It's getting cold around this part of the country in the Midwest. And we'll talk about the next game, very cold in New England. But tough spot, I think, for the Raiders. I think that's why the line opened where it was, but a bit too high probably because Zach Taylor, 
first star, uh, coaching appearance as a coach in the playoffs. Same thing with Joe Burrow. There's a lot of uncertainty with the Bengals, even though they did trend well to end the season and had that big win against Kansas City. I think there's some lack of trust in the Bengals in general, laying such a big number in a big spot like this, even though they are at home, catching a Raiders team off a terrible situational spot. All right, let's move to Patriots at the Bills. The Bills laying four, total 43 and a half. Uh, the line has moved just a little bit with that hook. The Bills opened as four and a half point favorites, and so they are now down to four. And this is a this is a tough game, I think, personally for me to handicap because I I just don't know what direction to go in this one. Forty three and a half seems kind of middle of the road for a total. I don't know if I could feel super strongly going over or under. And with the with the line at four, it's kind of like that weird no man's land number where you get minus four, and the teams have played each other a lot one is beating the other each time they've played each other so you're getting a matchup where the teams know each other really well the weather is going to be cold but it's not going to be super snowy or really super windy at least what we think at this point i i just i don't know if i have any confidence either way here yeah, definitely. Let's start off with the weather. It looks like Saturday night in Buffalo, weather in the single digits, but you didn't make note. No big wind. And the last time these two teams played each other in Buffalo about six weeks ago was a Monday night game. There was heavy wind, and that really greatly impacted what the Bills want to do, which is throw the ball around the field of Josh Allen, around the park of Josh Allen. And the Patriots were totally fine with that win because they like to run the ball. And Mac Jones, I believe he had three attempts that game. So he's going to have to do more in this game, especially if there's no win factor. And I think we kind of question Mac Jones, rookie, road, cold weather, playoff game, big yeah. spot. We're not sure how he's going to do in this game. So kind of looking back at the at these previous meetings and pretty recent meetings where these are basically the teams that – played in these games it wasn't a long time ago and it was week 13 monday night football bills closed minus three total 39 and a half in that really bad weather game the patriots win 14 to 10 but the bills probably were the better team that day they just couldn't execute when they got into the patriots uh, side of the field or in the red zone even and then week 16 the day after christmas they play in foxborough much calmer weather patriots closed minus one total 43 and a half and the bills win 33 to 21 really offensively kind of had their way, I guess, the Patriots' defense. The Patriots mounted a little bit of a comeback, but the Bills had some clutch fourth-quarter drives to get the win. So now we're at minus four, a little bit higher than the last time they played in Buffalo, but weather definitely impacted that spread and total just because the total was so low because of the weather. Now the total's a bit higher I'd have trouble really with this game. I think I'm with you, Ben. I don't really know what to do with this game. I think this line is perfect in past four. I think the total is fine because we might think, oh, cold weather. But if it's not windy, I think these teams are going to have success. New England's going to be able to run the ball on Buffalo because Buffalo struggles against power rush teams. And then Buffalo, if it's not windy, they should have success against New England. So I well, guess I could make How much do you trust make... Josh Allen, honestly, too, is the question. Yeah, I I think he's fine. I mean, he's done it before in the playoffs. He won two home playoff games last year, so this isn't new territory for him. And New England, frankly, they had that really good winning streak, but they have kind of trended down the last few weeks. I don't put too much stock in that loss against Miami because it was kind of a weird game, and they probably realized they had no shot at the division anyway with the Bills up on the Jets. 
But I, I, I do trust Josh Allen in this game. I'm not sure if I trust Matt Jones, but at the same time, I think Bill Belichick might be able to come up with a game plan to contain Josh Allen or at least really slow this game down. So I couldn't make the case for the over just because the last meeting was high scoring and the first being Buffalo was low scoring. I can see positive regression from that if the wind isn't a factor. But at the same time, I don't want to look like an idiot it's three nothing middle of the second quarter because the weather actually does play a factor. So kind of a right. game I'm going to pass. I think a good game to watch and maybe live bet based on kind of what happens in the early going. But I'm not in any rush to bet a side or total in this game. I would lean the under, honestly. If I'm picking any side, total side, whatever it is, I'm going under simply because I think like that three zero six three score in the middle of the second quarter is fairly likely with the way these two teams have played each other now three times they know each other well they know what to expect there's a lot of pressure on the line i think in a game like this i would lean towards an under um especially since we're still getting that 43 and a half it hasn't really moved down to that 41 41 and a half number i would trend towards the other towards the under but again not a super strong play and that may change as we come to friday Eagles at the Bucks. Bucks minus eight and a half. Total is at forty nine. Um, Nate, I I love the Eagles as long as they're plus eight and a half. I really do. And and I, Jalen Hurts is supposed to play. Um, they they talked about him being one hundred percent for the playoffs, so I think he's going to be good to go. And the Eagles are going to be headed in the playoffs with their starting quarterback. And the Buccaneers, they're good, and I expect them to win this game. And they, you know people are expecting them to even get as far as the Super Bowl. But I'm I'm just worried about the lack of offensive weapons they now have with injuries. The defense has looked like they've got some holes in it as well. I don't know. I I, I know I think the Buccaneers are gonna win, but I don't know if they're gonna be able to cover eight and a half against a pretty hungry Eagles team. Yeah, so my initial thought in this game was definitely Buccaneers, just because when I was thinking about what the Eagles have turned into the heaviest run team in the NFL that it would be hard to run on Tampa Bay but looking kind of lately at what we've seen from Tampa's rush defense it isn't as good as it's been the last year and a half so maybe Philly can find something there I do think this number is a bit inflated but it makes sense it's Tom Brady at home the Buccaneers offense has had a lot of success in Florida at home in the warm weather and this is the early game on Sunday. I don't know if that really matters, but just something to note. This is Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern. So for me in this game, I was looking first at Eagles team total under, but knowing that the Bucks rush defense might not be as good, kind of going to stay away from that, at least for now. Uh, so really no side for me. I think this number is inflated, but that it's hard to bet against Brady in the playoffs. But at the same time, maybe the Eagles can try to figure something out, catching so many points. And maybe the perception of the Eagles is down because they played last Saturday night, got killed by the Cowboys, but they also hurts didn't play. I think pretty much their whole starting defense didn't play, so they should be fresh for this game. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Bucks went out and they wanted to get the two seed, and they were able to do so with the Rams' loss. So they went out and played a tough game and played hard in that game for 60 minutes. So, yeah, I think this line is probably a little bit inflated. I'm a little scared to bet against the Bucks. Yep. I think the Bucks with the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, because if if the thing is the Bucks get out to a lead, I don't know if I trust Jalen Hurts to be a throwing quarterback and to have a success against the Bucks' weakness, which is their secondary. Um, I guess the Bucks as a teaser would totally make sense. The problem is there's only five other games this week, and really 
there isn't another good teaser option in my opinion. So kind of my thoughts on this game, I've kind of changed my mind a little in terms of maybe the Eagles offense will have just a little bit more success than I thought when this matchup was initially set on Sunday night. Yeah, I may make the Eagles the best bet. If that stays eight and a half by Friday, that may be a best bet territory line for me. Uh, moving on, 49ers, Cowboys. Uh, it's going to be in Jerry World. Cowboys laying three. That total is at uh, 50 and a half. Um, so it's on the uh, upper side of 50, which is a decently high total for a game like this. Uh, I, there's a lot of people, a lot of smart people, a lot of smart betting people I know, Nate, that are really feeling the 49ers in a game like this. And I understand, you know, the, the hesitancy against the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy and knowing how good that Kyle Shanahan team is. But, man, it's it's going to be hard for me and hard to convince me to bet against the Cowboys in a game like this. If that spread stays at minus three, I just they they have looked so good this season. Their defense has looked better as the weeks have gone on. The offense is the Cowboys offense. They they run you into the ground with Zeke and they have Tony Pollard to to get stuff in the passing game and they have Prescott. So it's they've got all these weapons to beat you on either side of the ball. But you're getting kind of a low line, which makes me think maybe there's there's some hope for the 49ers to cover and maybe even win a game like this. Yeah, the 49ers have been a very popular bet team pretty much the whole second half of the season. I think they really did struggle, and that kind of caused them to be undervalued. But still, there's a lot of belief in Kyle Shanahan to figure out his offense, and he's done that. And they got into the playoffs, a huge win against the Rams on the last game of the season. It's too bad these teams are playing each other because as a football fan, I'm excited to watch yeah. this game, especially Sunday, midday, uh, mid-afternoon. It's definitely the prime TV spot. The problem is these are two teams I wanted to bet on in this round or maybe later in the playoffs, and they're going to play each other. So not ideal in terms of betting, at least in my opinion. I know it's a selfish reason, but I didn't <laughs> want these teams to match up with each other because I have a hard time trying to pick a side in this game, quite honestly. And you mentioned the Cowboys offense on paper definitely looks good, but I think there's a little bit of maybe misleading results lately. They destroyed the Washington football team uh, at home on that Sunday night, but Washington had COVID issues going on for multiple weeks and they were missing a lot of players and it was a really bad spot for Washington because they played a Tuesday before. And then last week, the Cowboys offense kind of went crazy, but the Eagles were also resting a ton of players. So my big question is, which offense for the Cowboys is going to show up? If you can try to figure that out, you'll probably have a bet in this game. I don't know if I can figure this out, so I probably won't have a bet in this game. I'm also worried that the 49ers kind of took put everything out there to beat the Rams, emptied the clip against the Rams to make the playoffs. So I'm not saying there's going to be a letdown at all, but maybe that there's a little bit of a uh, – we the Cowboys defense can kind of figure out some of the plays just based on the film that they watched to prepare for this game. But I do think the 49ers will be able to run on the Cowboys. I guess then the other question is Jimmy G's thumb injury and then also left tackle Trent Williams, who didn't play in that game. That is a guy who really needs a play, especially when you look at the Cowboys pass rush with Micah Parsons, um, Lawrence, and then there's another guy. But it's a good pass rush, Randy Gregory. So it's a really good pass rush for the Cowboys uh, now that they have everyone healthy and Trent Williams is needed. I'd kind of leave the 49ers if I had to pick the game. I think it's worth noting that we saw a little bit of movement towards the Cowboys today in terms of the line move, where it was minus three flat across the board. And then some sports books went to minus three, minus 115, 
or minus 3, minus 120. So by the time you listen to this, maybe that changes a little bit. But I think that it's not going to get below 3. So if you do like the 49ers, maybe wait to get a 3.5. If you like the Cowboys, maybe that 3 flat shows up. But I think we're going to be in this territory where it's kind of 3 juice to the Cowboys, 3.5 juice to the 49ers. And we've seen that total, too, go from 50 to 49.5 to back up to 50.5, and and it's at 51 at a lot of places, too. I like – I'm going under again in a game like this. Cowboys defense I like, and and especially with this type of game, and I think emptying the clip is the right term for the 49ers. It's just offensively, and we've seen Debo Samuel do – Pretty much everything. He's played almost every position on offense for that 49ers team, right? He's played quarterback. He's played wide receiver. He's played running back. I just don't know what else they can use him in that teams will not expect at this point uh, come playoff time. So I, I think once we're in the playoff section of the of the season now, teams are going to really be keeping an eye on Debo Samuel. I think that's going to limit him on the offensive side for the 49ers. And we don't know how consistent that Dallas offense is. Is going to be against a pretty good 49ers defense. So I would probably lean the under in a game like this. But picking a side is is rough. I don't see that number really moving too much between three or three and a half or two and a half because someone's going to really put heavy money depending on which side of three it goes. And then you're going to see that go back up to three or down to three. Steelers at the Chiefs, Nate, in Kansas City. Chiefs laying 12 and a half against Big Ben's team. That total is at 46 a lot of points in a playoff game for the Chiefs to be laying, but it is the Steelers, and we know how bad they can be. Just sneak it into the playoffs, and I don't, I'm not rooting for them, don't particularly like the Steelers, and I don't think they are going to do much against the Chiefs team that has just pretty much been getting better and better, at least offensively, uh, since the middle of the season. Yeah, and you might think this is a big number, too many points, especially for a Mike Tomlin team that usually thrives in the underdog role. But these two teams did meet three weeks ago, week uh, 16, and the Chiefs closed minus 10. The total was 44. The Chiefs ended up blowing out the Steelers 36 to 10, and the touchdown for the Steelers was their last score of the game. So it was 36 to 3 at one point. And in that game, the Chiefs were dealing with COVID issues going into it. I think the line actually dipped to as low as Chiefs minus eight that week because Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were on the COVID list. Kelsey ended up missing the game, and Tyreek Hill admitted after that game that he was exhausted because he was playing right after COVID. So he was pretty ineffective in that game, and still the Chiefs absolutely dominated. And I was doing research on this game earlier and crossed some pretty incredible stats, and the Steelers have been absolutely awful in the first half the last eight games. And just kind of looking back at total in that last eight games, they've been outscored 117 to 32 in the first half. And they've scored 166 points in those last eight games. And in the fourth quarter and overtime in that span, they've scored 111. So basically 66% or a one third of the steel or two thirds of the Steelers points have been scored in the fourth quarter. So this team doesn't get out to fast starts at all. They kind of just hang around and try to beat teams in the fourth quarter, which worked half the time because in that span, they ended up with a four and four record and now they're in the playoffs, but just kind of looking yeah. back and I'll have more in my article later this week on watchstadium.com about it, but some really brutal first half results from the Steelers in the last eight weeks with Big Ben starting mm. every game. Yeah, they were gross. down 23 nothing at halftime to the Chiefs. 
I can see a situation here where the Chiefs get out ahead, especially the Chiefs are such a good team when it comes to the opening script and getting out to a lead, and the Steelers have struggled in the first half. So probably right now my favorite bet of the week, Chiefs, sorry, minus seven first half. I don't think a six and a half is going to happen because I think people know how bad the Steelers have been in the first half of games, at least recently in the last eight games, last half of their season. So Chiefs first half will definitely be a bet for me, trying to get minus seven um, by Sunday night when this game takes place. I'll make that an official bet on the show on Friday. But, yeah, Chiefs first half is the way I'm going. The Steelers team has been awful in the first half. I like it. I can't stand watching the Steelers. They are just not a fun football team for me to watch. That offense is disgusting. Watching Ben Roethlisberger is just, it hurts. It hurts to watch him play football right now at this point. So I'm I'm with you there. Chiefs first half, I think, is a really good play um, because they're just, they're hot. This is their time. This is this is what they're built for is the playoffs. They get a playoff game at home. They're playing a team that's bad, terrible offense. Love that first half play, to be quite honest. Um, finally, Cardinals at the Rams in L.A. Rams laying four, total 49. Uh, the Rams opened with a hook at 44 and a half, and that's been bet down now to four. Um, this is a game between two teams who I do not trust in the slightest, Nate. And we have all season long, you and I have, you know, certain weeks, one of us will maybe hit the Cardinals, and then one of us will maybe hit the Rams a different week. And sometimes it works, but for the most part, these two teams have personally let me down quite often this year um they let us down and and we uh we're just not fans at least i can say i'm not fans of either the cardinals or the rams at this point with the rams laying four i'm just in this game i'm probably just going to go with whoever's the underdog and right now it's the cardinals getting four points i'll probably end up taking them to be quite honest yeah i mentioned the uh cowboys and 49ers were two teams i wanted to bet on and i was upset or disappointed let's use that term that they are playing each other this week i think i'm also disappointed that these two teams are playing because frankly they're two teams i would have loved to bet against especially the arizona cardinals who are trending horribly they have a one in four record in their last five games and that stretch started the last two times these teams played it was week 14 it was a monday night football game the Cardinals closes a three-point favorite because that day Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby were put on the COVID list, and there were some other COVID issues going on with the Rams that ended up progressing into a bigger issue where their next week's game was moved to a Tuesday. But it was kind of the start of the Rams' COVID outbreak. Cardinals take money on game day because of it from two and a half to three, and they lose the game 30 to 23, and Matthew Stafford was absolutely outstanding that game after kind of struggling right before that, and he hasn't been great after that with a lot of turnovers. But he was really good against the Cardinals in that game. So I really don't want to bet on the Cardinals. I know they've been really good on the road. I know they've been really good on the underdog role, but that was all before this really rough stretch where they ended up finishing the season losing four of their last five games, including the season finale at home against the Seahawks, the Seahawks team playing for nothing. Cardinals end up winning that game. They win the division. They're hosting a playoff game and not playing the Rams in round one. So really tough loss there for the Cardinals. And I watched a good amount of that game and I know they only lost by eight points, but really the Seahawks dominated that game and the Cardinals scored on a fumble six to start the game. And then a short field after a turnover to start the second half. So the Seahawks really beat up the Cardinals last week. So I really can only look at the Rams with this game. I'm hoping somehow this line gets down to like three and a half. I doubt it gets to three, but it's Rams or nothing for me. I know that Arizona has had that road success, as I mentioned, but 
I want no part of them just because of how poorly they've trended in the last month. I cannot stand Cliff Kingsbury's coaching. Cannot stand it. And I know McVay is going to be a better coach. I mean, he's most likely going to out-coach Cliff Kingsbury. But do I trust Matthew Stafford? My fantasy quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who lost me the championship game and almost lost me the semifinal game because of how poorly he played. I don't like McVay can set up a great play play call and have a great play sheet and Stafford can screw it up in an instant. So I'm I'm like you. I'm a little hesitant to bet both of these teams uh, or either of these teams. Maybe the over is a way I go for something like this. Just play the total and hope there's just a scoring fest between both of those teams. And it's a little lower than I would expect at 49. But again, these teams yeah. have familiarity with each other. So that might be a little hesitant to get over that 51 point mark. Yeah, the total in the last game, it was in Arizona, but it was 51. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. went over the total. And I think that was the first game where the Cardinals didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. And since then, their offense has really struggled. So I think there's been just the proper adjustments made based on how the Arizona offense has played because it's really hasn't been really efficient, at least. Maybe they, there's been times where they've put up some points or have had some wild plays that are highlight reel just because of who Kyler Murray is. Mm-hmm. We've seen in the past this team struggle in December, and they struggled again in December. They were one seven and zero at some point, and there was talk about how they could be maybe the number one team in the yeah. NFC, at least seeding wise, and they didn't even win their division. So, I know that the points and the line value might be there on the Cardinals. They're not for me. It's Rams or pass. All right, so that was our NFL playoff preview. We'll have more of our picks. Uh, on Friday, and these are, we'll have all of our picks on Friday for this weekend's game. I know, Nate, you're leaning that Chiefs first half. I'm leaning Eagles plus eight and a half. So we'll see if that changes or if we just go with it for best bets. Let's move on to golf. And again, Nate's got that golf article. Watchstadium.com, Sony Open coming up if you want to win some money to start the golfing season. But, Nate, give us give us some course information. What should people be aware of, right, when they're betting something like this, like the Sony Open and you know, for these, some of these bigger tournaments, you know, Masters, all the all the uh, all these big ones that we're going to be doing, we'll spend a ton more time on them. But because this is the opening one of the year, what do you like? Who do you like? Um, what are you thinking as the weekend gets closer? Sure. So yeah, this is the not the first golf tournament of the year, but I think the first one a lot of people will pay attention to because college football is over, the NFL regular season is over. And it's also a full field event. Last week was a 38-player event, the Tournament of Champions. This is the full 144 cut after the second round, which is on Friday. So there was this isn't the start of the season because actually the fall was the official start of the golf season in terms of FedEx Cup points. And then last week we had an event. But I feel like this is kind of the first one where I'm in a lot of contests, like one-and-done contests where you pick one golf for a week. And all of them, they start this week for the Sony Open. So it kind of, for me, feels like the official start of golf season, even though I know the the golf purists know it has started back in (laughs) in September for the Fournette Championship or something. Yeah, I don't want to get any hate mail from the golf purists. No, no, but I think we know it's like kind of now golf has become more mainstream, and this is kind of the weekend where people pay more attention when the NFL wildcard weekends are going on, and there's only one game at a time, so you kind of – can put golf on on the second screen, and that's probably what I'll be doing for part of this weekend. But let's go Sony Open. We're in Hawaii. We were in Hawaii last week, so the PGA Tour is staying in Hawaii this week with the Sony Open. Uh, it's a shorter course at uh, Wileye Country Club, about 7,000 7, yards. So 
a lot of players can be in play. Last year, Kevin Na won. Two years ago, Cameron Smith won, and he won the Tournament of Champions this past weekend. A few years ago, Justin Thomas went bonkers and set a course record and won at 27 under par. Last week's Cam Smith won 34 under par. I would expect maybe this winning score to be in the 20s, so it won't be as crazy as last week in terms of a birdie fest, but I do expect some pretty good scores here. But a lot of players with different skill sets have a chance, especially in a field that's not too loaded. So looking at some of the favorites, Cam Smith actually is the favorite. Total pass for me. Bryson DeChambeau not going to uh, play in this tournament. He was a late withdrawal, or not a late, late withdrawal, but he withdrew on Monday. So he's not going to be in the field for this event, which kind of like compressed the odds board a little bit where there, there were right. some guys in the you know 28 to 33 to 1 range I like to attack, and they all got pushed up. But a few guys I'm keeping an eye on, and I'll tweet out my official plays at Nate Jacobson 1. The first guy that stuck out Monday morning, Corey Connors. I think he's going to have a breakout this year. It seems like the win is going to come soon. He had some great finishes last season. He was the first-round leader at the PGA Championship, and I think he made a name for himself there in terms of the casual golf fan. Great iron player, not a good putter, but one thing you'll learn about me is I like to take a shot at guys who really good ball striking, can't really putt, but if they can just a putt average for the week, they'll be able to contend. So Connors, for me, he's like 22 to 1, but there's some places that have 26 to 1, 28 to 1. So shop around there for Connors. Russell Henley, another guy similar to Connors and the same mold of player as a good iron player. He's just had a better price this week, kind of in the mid-30s. He won this tournament in 2013. It was his first PGA Tour win, so maybe he could find some of that magic from nine years ago. He had a pretty decent finish last year. So those are some of the guys at the top of the board. And then some other guys I'm looking at, Cam Davis, played last week at the Tournament of Champions, finished 10th. He's also an Australian, and Cam Smith is Australian, so maybe seeing his fellow countrymen win. There you inspire go. Cam Davis, maybe not a great course fit because he's such a great driver and driving is not like a huge thing at this course. Um, it's not saying it's a bad thing, but just like maybe some of his advantages are taken away. But at 50 to one, I think it's worth a shot at a player with a high ceiling who won six months ago. And then two other guys, Tom Hoagie and Aaron Rye, both played really well in the swing season, specifically in November. Both are good at strokes gain approach, have strong strokes gain approach numbers. So I'm hoping it can carry over for this tournament. They're both in the 80 to one, 90 to one range. So kind of some deeper shots. And then one guy I'm going to add, I didn't write about in my article, but kind of looking over some stuff this morning, want to add Brendan Grace uh, in the 101 to one range. He actually finished horribly last year or last week, sorry, at the Tournament of Champions. But in the first round, he led the field in strokes gain approach before his complete meltdown on the weekend. And it was there was no cut. So each guy played four rounds. So he did get four rounds of Hawaii golf got used to the time zone, acclimated to the uh, the surroundings in Hawaii. But he did show something in the first round where maybe it's worth a shot to see if he can kind of replicate that first round at the Tournament of Champions, maybe put together some strong iron rounds for the first couple of days of this tournament and be in the mix at really deep odds. He's also really good at coastal courses. And when the wind picks up, really good wind player, and the wind definitely is a factor here in Hawaii. So those are the six players. We'll tweet out my official bets, I guess, and the prices I get them on at my Twitter account, at Nate Jacobson one to, So follow that. 
And yeah, we'll have a golf article every Tuesday morning on watchstadium.com. So make sure to check that out if you're interested in pivoting from college football to a new sport. And golf is the one that uh, I'm doing and I've done the last few years. There we go. All right. So that's a golf. We got one more play that you were interested in giving out in the world of college <laughs> basketball. We're finally, so we're in January. It's time, I think, that we start paying more attention to college basketball now that college football is over and we'll yes. have to have our old buddy uh, Rizzo on at some point in the next couple of weeks to talk college basketball. But you like Florida plus one and a half against LSU? Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of a fade against, or really is a fade against Florida because this, or sorry, LSU. It's a fade against LSU. Florida yeah. has lost a few tough games. Actually, I bet on them last week when they were hosting Alabama because I thought it was a bad spot for Alabama. Florida loses that game, I think, by double digits. And then on the weekend, they go to Auburn, and then they lost pretty big at Auburn, who's now number four in the country. But Wednesday night in yeah. Florida, they host LSU. LSU last week, they beat Kentucky, which is always a big game. Then they followed it up with a big home win against Tennessee. I like kind of fading teams off really important home wins. They go on the road. Maybe last year they weren't used to the crowds because most places didn't have really much of a crowd. I know Florida probably isn't the best, maybe the basketball home crowd, but I think LSU is a bit overrated. And right now in the opening line, LSU is a, a road favorite, not a huge Will Wade fan. And uh, I like Florida plus one and a half. Let's see where that line goes. Not sure if it's going to be a, a best bet because Florida let me down last week, but uh, I'm going to try on Tuesday's <laughs> show. And then maybe also on our Tuesday or Wednesday show and then the Thursday, Friday show that we do to try to find a, a spot, even if we don't have the point spread, a situational spot that might I'm looking at in terms of college basketball and yeah. maybe a chance to bet something. Um, and if you want, I'm on a few tracking apps where I'm tracking my plays. So if I do end up making this an official pick, you can follow there. So check my Twitter account. There's some information in my bio about that. But We'll try to provide a little bit of college basketball now that you mentioned football is over. And I know a lot of people now jump, jump into college basketball when conference play begins, and hopefully the, the worst of COVID is over in that sport. So Florida plus one and a half is the current number, and that's what I'm looking towards on Wednesday for college hoops. All right, that'll do it for us this uh, today. We'll be back Friday with all of our NFL playoff picks. Until then, good luck, everybody. 